Hi there. I hope you're having a wonderful day. Thanks for tuning in. Last week, I shared that real transformation comes after a one-on-one -on -one encounter with Jesus. Today's thought will focus on another of those encounters and is simply entitled The Right Touch. The text is found in Mark chapter 5. We're going to begin with verse 21. And I'm going to read 21 to 24, and then I'll expound on the text. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. Jesus was headed back to Capernaum, where hundreds, if not thousands, were awaiting his return. Each synagogue had several rulers, and Jairus was one of the officials of the synagogue, and as such... He was a man of influence and prestige. When he came to Jesus, he did so as a desperate father, seeking to, to spare the life of his critically ill child. I can envision, envision Jairus as being the first one to greet Jesus as he stepped from ship to shore. Mark says that Jairus fell at the feet of Jesus, a posture of worship passionately pleading him to quickly come to the aid of his daughter who was on the verge of death. Mark graphically describes the pleading of the father and we can almost feel the intensity of the situation. Any parent with a sick child no doubt would have been irritated by the presence of the crowd hindering the more rapid travel to his home. Some in that crowd may have wanted to ask questions or to be taught as on the day that he had departed. Others might have asked for healing for themselves or others. Regardless, the crowd refused to be left behind. Without delay, the Lord Jesus made his way to the home of this dying girl thronged by a host of onlookers. Mark's depict an unwanted in interruption. Verse 25, and a certain woman which had an issue of blood for 12 years. This woman's sickness, a 12-year menstrual period, also made her continually unclean under the law according to Leviticus chapter 15. A social and religious problem on top of the physical one. Since she could not bear children in that state, and Jewish men often divorced women who were incapable of bearing, this woman probably had never married, or if the sickness began after that marriage, had been divorced and remained single. In a society where single celibate women could not easily earn much income, the illness affected virtually every area of her life. 
Verse 26 says, and she had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. Her suffering was much more than physical, though that would have been enough. She suffered as much from her cures as she did from her case of bleeding. From various sources, we are informed as to the nature of some of these cures. Pliny's natural history reveals the generally low condition of medical science in the world at that time. Physicians were accustomed to prescribe doses of curious concoctions made from ashes of burnt wolf's skulls, stags, horns, heads of mice, the eyes of crabs, owls' brains, the livers of frogs, and other like elements. From Jewish writings such as the Talmud, we learn of some of these cures. One remedy consisted of drinking a goblet of wine containing a powder compounded from rubber, aluminum, and garden proceeds. Another treatment consisted of a dose of Persian onions cooked in wine administered with the summons. Arise out of your flow of blood. Other physicians prescribed sudden shock or the carrying of the ash of an ostrich egg in a certain cloth. To add insult to injury, literally, this woman was also subjected to tremendous social pressures. The nature of this woman's illnesses fell under the stipulations again of Leviticus chapter 15, whereby she would have to be pronounced unclean. And as such, she had been an outcast for 12 years. She could not take part in any religious observances, nor could she have any public contact without defiling those whom she touched. Last of all, this pathetic woman had lost all of her financial resources. Mark tells us that she had spent all of her money on doctor bills with no relief, indeed with added affliction. And in those days, there was no such thing as a malpractice suit. Verse 27, when she heard of Jesus, hallelujah, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. I love this. She heard of Jesus. The text doesn't tell us what she heard. I suggest she heard that we have a high priest who could be touched with the feeling of her infirmity. I'm reminded of the text in Mark chapter 2. It was noised abroad that Jesus was in the house. Ah, so much so that when the men arrived, because of the crowd that was there, uh, they couldn't get in to where he was, uh, but they would not miss getting to Jesus. So they tore the roof off the house. Uh, it's good to testify about the Lord as it provokes others to seek him out to find relief through his power. And when you arrive to the place where he is, you must be willing to do whatever it takes to get to him. Ah, again, those men tore the roof off the house ah, to get in to get to Jesus. Uh, conditioned, no doubt, by her long-term rejection and isolation, she dared not approach Jesus to ask for a miracle. 
her physical contact would defile all that she touched. The best she could hope for was a kind of secret healing. I need not bother the master, she may have rationalized. I but need to touch the hem of his garment, that blue fringed hem of his shawl, which Jews were required to wear to remind them that they were God's people. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. If this woman touched anyone or anyone's clothes, she rendered that person ceremonially unclean for the rest of the day, again, according to Luke chapter 15. But regardless of the consequences, she knew within herself, I must touch him. Today, I'm talking about the right touch. She knew who, it, who, who had it. Ah, and was willing to do whatever it took to make that connection. Faith speaks. The Bible says, I believe and therefore have I spoken. She said, hallelujah, within herself, uh, I must touch him and I will be whole. Note the high expectation of her actions. She said, because it is the right touch, I won't just be healed, I will be whole. This issue will stop and it will never return. She was so courageous as many wait for the Lord to touch them, to touch their situation. But some situations will give you the audacity to say, I can't wait another further. I, I will take what I need. The Bible says, and straightway, verse 29, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague immediately. Hallelujah. Straightway is immediately. Ah, when it's the right touch, you won't have to wait for results. Bleeding 12 years and it suddenly, finally stopped. I can only imagine the tears of joy streaming down her wearied face. Ah, verse 30 says, in Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press and said, who, who touched my clothes? Hallelujah. Talk about a connection. Both of them had it immediately uh, because of the right touch. Uh, Jesus felt power leave his body and that got his attention. I want my touch to get his attention. I want my touch to make him ask, who was that? Hallelujah. And his disciples, verse 31, said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee and saying, and you are saying, who touched me? Uh, obviously, there's a big difference between thronging and touching. Uh, and he looked round about to see her who had done this thing. Her touch triggered a release he didn't initiate. He said, hold up, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got to see who did this. Ah, oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Verse 33, but the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. We shared why she feared. She wasn't even supposed to be there. Initially, she sought healing. Now she needed mercy. But she couldn't deny that she had, made, she had been made whole. So now she could share all the truth about what she'd experienced over the past 12 years. Ah, ah, verse 34. And he said unto her, daughter, thy faith have made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. 
in verse 25, she was referred to as a certain woman. No doubt because of her issue, she had been called other names, but Jesus called her daughter. Oh, how that must have comforted her. That speaks to relationship. He made her a member of the family of God. When you touch Jesus, you are always elevated to a higher status. Verse 35, while he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, certain which said, thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? Uh, and as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, be not afraid, only believe. Uh, uh, the text says when Jesus heard the word that was spoken, uh, Jesus hears what is said here. Uh, he hears what he heard, what was said then, and he hears what is said now. Jesus told Jairus, I got this. I got this. Be not afraid, only believe. It's not over till I say it's over. Uh, and he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. Wisdom identifies who can go and who shouldn't go. Uh, and he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the tumult and them that wept and wailed greatly. It was a custom of, the, of that day to have hired mourning, mourners. And so they were mourning and wailing greatly. And when he was coming, he saith unto them, What make you this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him the scorn. But when he had put them all out, Oh, I love Jesus. He taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entered in where the damsel was lying. They ridiculed Jesus before he demanded that they leave. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha Kumi, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. I'm straightway. The damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years, and they were astonished with a great astonishment. Here is the third immediately in Mark's text. Ah, doesn't take Jesus long to accomplish anything. Note, she was 12 years of age. The entire time she was alive, the woman had been hemorrhaging. Ah, verse 43. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it and commanded that something should be given her to eat. He didn't want the account of this miracle related, but it is certain that such news could not be kept. The Lord understood due to her illness, she probably had not eaten for days, was weak and needed something to eat. There's a touch. Ah, but then there's the right touch, the touch that changes your entire life immediately, the consistent theme throughout this text. Both daughters experienced that touch from Jesus. But the wonderful thing is Jesus, in the midst of all those grabbing for and tugging on him, trying to take a selfie with him, also felt the right touch. So much so 
that even he had to know who touched him. Let me bring you and I into this text. We also had an issue of blood. We were born with tainted blood. Our sinful Adamic nature separate us, separated us from God, causing us to bleed out on those around us. God's word said only blood can make an atonement for sin, but man didn't possess the blood type necessary to satisfy that debt. But that same Jesus uh, came 40 and two generations to pay a debt he didn't owe because we owed a debt we couldn't pay. He was crucified to shed his efficacious, debt-satisfying blood, buried, and three days later arose with all power and said to each of us, like he said to that damsel, arise and walk in the fullness of life with me. I leave you with two questions. When is the last time you felt Jesus's life-changing touch? And when is the last time he felt yours. Father, in Jesus' name, we bless you. We bless you for the opportunity uh, to read your word, to hear your word, to understand, God, that you are willing and available uh, to touch us and to be touched. We thank you for that. God, we pray that you would bless everyone who's listening to this podcast. God, you know the areas that they need your touch, God. You know when the last time they felt uh, your touch and you know, God, when was the last time that you felt their touch? Lord, we're asking that you would make that connection, God, in their lives. Touch them, God, in ways that only you can. We bless you. We praise you. We magnify your high name in that matchless, marvelous, magnanimous name of Jesus. Jesus. We say amen and thank God. God bless you. Bye-bye.